Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 232. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. July is always hot. Never in recorded history has it been this hot, but it's always hot. And the heat makes people do and say stupid things. Sometimes very stupid things. And that's why, even though lots of folks are checked out and on vacation, this July is definitely a time to stay vigilant. This, this is a readiness issue. The fact that Senator Tuberville is, uh, maintains this hole on the promotions of our senior uh, officers, um, it cascades, it, it, it creates uh, uh, friction uh, throughout the entire chain. It uh, disadvantages families. Uh, we've taught, you've heard us talk about the, the impact of that. Uh, and so I would, I would ask uh, Senator Tuberville to, uh, to lift this hole. And, uh, in, in, you know, as you think about this, Jennifer, I, I would imagine our adversaries would look at something like this and be, and be pretty happy that, uh, that we create this kind of turbulence within our force. So. He's right. That's our Secretary of Defense, retired United States Army four-star General Lloyd Austin. Don't listen to Senator Redneck. Listen to our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. He's right. Our enemies are celebrating Senator Tommy Tuberville's asinine hold on military promotions. And this July, as the heat continues, our Secretary of Defense has his hands full. Not just with Ukraine, ISIS, domestic extremists, China, and low recruiting numbers. He also has to spend every single day fighting the stupid. The stupid is everywhere this July, especially in Washington, D.C., where Captain Confederacy himself, the Southern Crown Prince of the Stupid, Tommy Tuberville, Senator Redneck, continues to find new ways to throw the stupid at the SECDEF, at our Pentagon, at our troops, and at our entire country. Tuberville has gotten bipartisan condemnation from seven former secretaries of defense from both parties who wrote recently, quote, We can think of few things as irresponsible and uncaring as harming the families of those who serve our nation in uniform. But despite all this bipartisan outrage from national defense and military leaders, Senator Redneck has gained support from many of the most radical and stupid anti-abortion activists to include so-called Freedom Caucus members like Florida Representative Matt Gates, Georgia's Marjorie Taylor Greene, Texas's Ronnie Johnson, and Ohio Senator J.D. Vance. You see, Senator Redneck and these other extreme members of Congress want to restrict health care rights of female troops. They also want to keep bases named after Confederate generals, and they want to ban all diversity initiatives. This is now like the Confederate wing of the Republican Party in 2023. And it sure as hell ain't attracting independent Americans like me. The heat makes people do and say stupid things. 
But these people are hardwired to do and say stupid things. Like a few weeks ago, and a few months ago, when Senator Redneck supported white nationalists. I played that clip for you last week. He's not only the biggest partisan hack in the Senate, he's also the most overtly racist and the stupidest. He just keeps doubling down and showing us all who he really is. And now, Senator Redneck is in very big and very public fights against a number of leaders, including Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin on the abortion stuff, Mayor of Colorado Springs and recent guest on this show, Yemi Mobilati, because he's fighting for Alabama to become the permanent home of Space Command over Colorado. He's up against General C.Q. Brown last week about the military being too woke. And now he's also up against another guest on this show, Maryland Governor Wes Moore, because he thinks Alabama should be the new home of the FBI instead of Maryland. Does everyone notice the trend here? Senator Redneck is obviously old and white. And every single one of the leaders that I mentioned that he's in a public fight with is black. Every single one. Do you see the trend? Well, the Patriot Front and other white nationalists and neo-Nazi organizations definitely do. You see, the American insurgency loves Senator Redneck. And so do our enemies. And just when you think it can't get worse... It does. The Washington Post has a brand new story this week. And the headline says, Tommy Tuberville planned to donate every dime to veterans. He hasn't. Yes. Aren't you surprised? Well, let me give you some highlights from this story from the Washington Post. As Senator Tuberville made veterans one of his key issues. And he serves on the Veterans Affairs Committee and the Armed Services Committee. And as we know, he's now in a high-profile battle with the Biden administration over abortion policy affecting troops and veterans. And he stalled the confirmation of more than 250 senior military officers. Yet there's no evidence that Senator Tuberville has kept a key pledge he made when he ran for Senate three years ago. He said he would, quote, donate every dime, unquote, he made in Washington to Alabama veterans. And wouldn't you know, he didn't do it. The senator earns $174,000 a year. The Washington Post assumed that Tuberville was proposing to donate only his salary, not the substantial earnings he makes from his investments, with an estimated net worth of $20 million. Now, Tuberville has served two and a half years as senator, so that would amount to a total of $437,000 in potential donations. In the past decade, Tuberville has made contributions to veterans via a charitable organization called the Tommy Tuberville Foundation that he established in 2014, after he was hired as a football coach at the University of Cincinnati. His employment contract, which paid him a minimum of $1.6 million a year, stipulated that he donate at least $5,000 a month as a gift to the athletics department. For instance, in 2016, he paid for 150 season tickets for veterans in a section of the stadium dubbed Tubby's Troops. The transaction was billed to the Tommy Tuberville Foundation, whose primary mission is, quote, assisting our military and veterans. Now, the IRS certified the Tuberville Foundation as a public charity in 2015, making the donations to the organization tax deductible. 
but a review by the Washington Post of the IRS filings made by the foundation show that very little has been spent on charitable causes, especially since he became a senator. Tuberville moved the charity to Alabama in 2018 after he left Cincinnati in 2016. In 2021, the foundation reported it had $74,101 in revenue and spent just 12% of that, or $9,000, while $32,000 went to administrative costs, including nearly $12,400 to pay off a truck the charity purchased in 2018 for $27,000. In 2022, the foundation apparently had gross receipts of less than $50,000. In 2022, the foundation only had gross receipts of less than $50,000 and was required to file only a 990N, which is known as a postcard, which provides even less detail. The charity also filed a so-called postcard in 2020, and in 2021, its filing suggested it received no money at all. Now, the charity generally provides very little detail on how much money is raised, but its 2018 filing cited fundraising through a golf tournament and speaking engagements, and most of the donations it reported were pretty small, roughly 8000 in 2015, 13000 in 2016, 4000 in 2018. So if he made his real commitment, he'd be donating something like $437,000. But in the end... He had only donated a couple of thousand dollars each year. Tupperville's staff even admitted to the Washington Post that he hasn't lived up to his pledge. They said, You are correct. The coach uses the foundation as the primary vehicle for donating to veterans' organizations, but it is by no means the only one. You may have learned by now that there were serious problems with the foundation for a number of years and that the foundation came under audit. My understanding is that during the audit, the foundation paused most of its activities. So he basically says he couldn't make the donations because he was audited. And he was audited because the foundation wasn't run very well. I know that as a guy who's run a 501c3 myself. When asked whether Tuberville has failed to donate more than $400,000 to veterans as promised, and whether he's still committed to doing so, his spokesman responded, Coach is in the process of reforming the foundation. He has already completely replaced the board of directors. He is resuming activities with the foundation, and he will keep his promise to the veterans of Alabama. So six years of senatorial salary would mean that Tuberville would be on the hook for more than $1 million in donations. Well, if you're a veterans group in Alabama, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. And this should surprise no one. Senator Redneck is all talk, and the worst kinds of talk. Racism, ignorance, partisanship, and now lies. Donald Trump would be very proud. Once a hack, always a hack. Yeah, the heat makes people do stupid things. And the heat in Alabama is especially high in July. And it seems to be getting even higher. But Tuberville does epically stupid things no matter what the weather is. As another Alabama leader, the great Forrest Gump once said, Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Yes, the heat makes people do stupid things. And as I've often highlighted on this show, the stupid is not only dangerous, it's also contagious. <laughs> and like a big 
thirsty, overheating offensive lineman at the water jug on the sidelines of a summer double sessions football practice, one guy in particular is lapping it up. He's slurping and chugging the stupid like his life depends on it. And then drooling and spitting it everywhere on the rest of his teammates and all over the sidelines. It's the one and only Governor Ron DeSantis. I can promise you this, on day one as, on, as Commander-in-Chief, we will rip the woke out of our military. We will get it focused back on the mission, and we will make sure that it's something that people are proud of again. So DeSantis is doubling down on the stupid. Stupid that hurts our military and is also bad politics. He unveiled his plan to rip the wokeness out of the military and continues to double down on stupid stuff. Now, this might crank up the anti-woke base, but attacking the military is kind of bad for our national security. And it's also bad politics, especially if you want to attract independent Americans. I've talked about this before. It's hard to believe that this guy is prioritizing this and running for a nomination from the same party that once nominated combat veterans like John McCain, Bob Dole, and George H.W. Bush. But that party is long gone, hijacked now by the Confederate radicals of 2023. They jumped all over the party, took it over, and smashed it into everything like those crazy zombie dudes from the Mad Max Fury Road movie with Charlize Theron. Remember that? Yep, they're all gobbling up the stupid and spitting it out like the reincarnation of COVID. And in addition to DeSantis, Gates, Taylor Greene, J.D. Vance, and Ronnie Jackson, you know who else has Senator Rednecks back? Utah Senator Mike Lee. Yep, he's a guy we've covered on this show before. You know Senator Mike Lee is going to have Senator Rednecks back. Mike Lee is the same guy who voted against health care for 9-11 first responders like me. He's the same guy who supported and excused January 6th. And it's always the same radical, ridiculous, grandstanding hacks. They say never forget, but they always do. They forgot 9-11. And they want you to be stupid and forget January 6th, even as arrests and convictions continue. This week, a judge sentenced January 6th defendant Kevin Lyons to 51 months in prison, among other accusations, Lyons was accused of stealing a prized photo of Nancy Pelosi with late civil rights leader, Representative John Lewis. He took it from Pelosi's office amid the mob taking over the Capitol on January 6th. So he got 51 months. And he's getting off easy. And this is your regular reminder that the FBI is still looking for some of the January 6th attackers, including the pipe bomber who left a pipe bomb outside the DNC and RNC. A guy or gal who definitely isn't stupid, but is definitely still at large. And he's not alone, because so is former President Mayhem. But maybe not for long. The Lord and Savior of the stupid, the Chosen One, the great white dope himself, Trump, is about to face his third indictment. Will this be the one that puts him in prison? Will this be the one that gets him the bracelets? We'll see. Because this summer, 
the heat is making people do especially stupid and dangerous things. But it ain't just the heat. For many of them, it's who they really are. And it's never been more serious. It's never been more dangerous. And as the heat and stupid continue to rise this July, so do the stakes. And not the kind you're cooking on your grill. The kind that dismantle our democracy, undermine our government, and have our enemies celebrating every day like it's the 4th of July. As we go deeper into the dog days of summer, and the stupid spreads faster and wider than the Canadian smoke all across America, stakes is high. Yeah, the heat makes people do some pretty stupid things. But as I told my son this week, after football camp in 90-plus degree temperatures, pushing through the heat can also make you tougher. You can be forged by the fire. You can be hardened by the heat. And nobody has been harder this summer in overcoming more stupid than the brave people of Ukraine. The heat has been on, but they just keep pushing, especially Zelensky. And he tweeted something this week that I wanted to bring to your attention to underscore how hard this guy's been working. He wrote, in the 15 days of July, we've already had negotiations, meetings, and events with the leaders of the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Turkey, the Czech Republic, Poland, also Slovakia, Bulgaria, Lithuania, Sweden, Portugal, Spain, and Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, the Republic of South Africa, Guinea-Bissau, NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg, President of the European Council Charles Michel, President of the European Commission von der Leyen, Eminical Patriarch Bartholomew, the address to the student community in Argentina, talks with the largest and most promising American investors and company executives. Today, very meaningfully, Mr. President of the Republic of Korea, and we will maintain the highest tempo of international work at all levels to restore peace for our land and to all our people. I am grateful to our partners, every leader, every politician, public figure, every country who really supports us in the fact that only the complete liberation of our entire territory will allow the full force of the international rules-based order to be restored. That's Zelensky. Did you hear that list? Is there any world leader working harder this summer? The relentless pace of this man's leadership is truly a sight to behold. Every single day, he never stops. Every single day, he inspires Ukraine and pushes through the heat. And he inspires the entire world. Slava Ukraine. Like an NFL football player enduring scorching double sessions. Like a piece of iron in a blacksmith's fire. Like a Ukrainian soldier on the front lines. Some are hardened by the heat. And nobody's more forged by heat than our guest. 
a person who can take us flying through all of it. Like Charlize Theron in that Mad Max movie, she's surging through all the fire, all the heat, all the bullshit, all the men, and all the stupid. She joined us almost exactly one year ago for episode 178, when the heat was also high, the stupid was also prolific, and the new Top Gun movie had just come out. And just like one year ago, as the summer heats up and we all fire headlong into the danger zone, we've got a real Top Gun, a real Maverick, a fighter pilot that went head-to-head with Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and then came home to go head-to-head with Mitch McConnell. And she's been going head-to-head with the opposition and the stupid and the heat ever since. Someone who can push through the heat and take us all higher and take the heat, capture the heat, and send the heat. Former Marine Corps fighter pilot Amy McGrath flew 89 combat missions. She ran one of the most watched races for Senate in 2020. She's a trailblazing combat veteran, a professor, and a mother of three. And now, she's leading the fight to protect women's reproductive health. She's leading the fight to protect our veterans and military. She's leading a fight to protect the liberty and integrity of America. And she's back now to warm your heart, And she's back now to bring the best kind of heat. Now, if you don't know this track, it's the hotness. It's the theme song the New York Mets fireball-throwing relief pitcher, Edwin Diaz. It's his walkout song. Whenever he comes into the game, usually with a lead in the ninth, this song blares. Now, he's been out this year with an injury, but the song is an anthem for bringing the heat. And last week, I took my boys to their first ever Mets game. More on that later. But the song just rocks. I play it almost daily now because it cranks me up often when I need it most. And that's what you need sometimes in the dog days of summer. And I hope that's what this song, this guest, and this episode can do for you. The heat can drain you. But in that heat, good leaders can pick you up, hand you some Gatorade, get you some shade, pat you on the back, and help you power through. And that's what Amy McGrath is about to do as she again brings the fire. Welcome to the dog days of summer heat. Welcome to an appropriately heated conversation about the hottest and most infuriating issues in America. Welcome to a conversation with a powerful leader who's bringing the heat and will leave you inspired. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 232.
Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, we are deep in the dog days of summer. We're going to continue to bring the heat, but we're also going to bring light to contrast the heat and have a returning champion who always brings light, who always brings insight, who always brings inspiration. The single favorite guest speaker of my class at Amherst in the entire semester, my good friend and a true American hero, the great and powerful Colonel Amy McGrath is back on Independent Americans. Finally, welcome back. Hey, that's just about the best intro. I think that was awesome. Thank you. You deserve it. Uh, especially because you, you've been hauling ass and you left Kentucky and you're in a DC hotel room for like, what, 20 hours? 24. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I think it's less than 24 hours. Yes. Uh, you know, I got three kids at home and I can't, I can't leave them for very long. I mean, that's one of the many reasons you inspire me is because you do all that you do with three kids and you're an awesome mom. So can I, a lot I want to get to Trump indictment, Senator Redneck, DeSantis, want to get your thoughts on no labels. Um, But can I ask you like a a straight up question as a friend, as an admirer, you're a really inspiring leader. How do you do it all? How do you do it all? (laughs) Three kids flying to DC, you're on MSNBC, you're doing all these things. How do you, how do you do it all? I don't, Paul, I don't think I do it all. I think, um, you know, I've, I've always been pretty good at juggling. You know, you know, when people ask me, what do you, what do you need to be to be a fighter pilot, a pilot, you know? And, and I was, do you, do you have to be smart? And I'm like, no, not, not, not really. <laughs> do you have to be, you have to have good grades? Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. But what you really got to do is be somebody that can juggle a lot mm. and, and just do a lot of stuff um, and, and kind of keep the balls moving. And that's what I do now, you know? And, uh, and that's, that's how we do it. But I, you know, at times, you're stopped, whether it's a, a, an issue with your back, which I had right after my, my Senate campaign, I ended up in the hospital because I had a, a back issue. Boy, that, I'll tell you what, that'll stop you in your tracks, you mm. know? Um, but then once you get back going again, you know, you're, you're out there. It's what, what keeps you going. And um, I enjoy it. I enjoy being on TV. I enjoy talking about the things that matter, but I also enjoy um, tossing baseball with my 10 mm. year old. And so I, I try to make time for it all. I love it. I hauled ass from a football camp to come down here uh, where my kid learned how to punt today. So we're doing like, you know, real basic stuff. I, I, I don't want to neglect asking you because it's been a year. Can't believe it's been a year. You and I talk all the time. We're on MSNBC together all the time. So now we can kind of take we love Nicole, but we can take Nicole out of the middle and you and I can have a straight conversation. But can you tell folks where are you and how are you? Well, um, I'm still located in Kentucky. Um, doing very well. You know, the kids are doing well, family's doing well. Uh, what I work on, I still work in politics behind the scenes. Uh, that's sort of my, my primary thing. And I hope we get a chance to discuss that. I'm working on a new project uh, dealing with national security and working um, it for the next cycle, which is really important because we have a big national security threat and his name is Donald Trump. And we got to make sure that he doesn't get back in the White House. But I'm, I'm working on that uh, and I also teach at the University of Kentucky. I teach national security policy uh, at the Patterson School. It's a graduate school. I really love doing that. Um, so, you know, and occasionally get on TV and, and get to talk about uh, national security or the latest uh, political antics that the, um, you know, the clown caucus is pushing through in the Republican Party. So it's, 
it's a it's a fun, interesting time right now. But uh, that's where I'm at. And and right now you're in D.C. just for a couple of hours. And then you're going to you know, turn and burn. You go in, you hit a bunch of events and do a bunch of meetings. And then you go back down to baseball. But you're there in the midst of all this. You and I have been talking a lot on TV about Trump as a national security threat. I think he's the number one national security threat. I want to talk about the Confederate wing of the GOP in, in a second. But the, the, the top news right now is that, you know, there is another pending indictment um, facing Trump and it's focused on January 6th. So I think this yeah. one, in addition to the classified documents, one is, is more about our national security and maybe uh, the highest level of threat and risk. And you're in a unique position to unpack that. So just yeah. what, what are your reactions to this latest indictment specifically? Amy? Well, my first reaction as an American is uh, you always want justice to be served. If, if the, you know, if he committed a crime and it certainly looks that way, um, we should have justice in this company, in this country. Nobody is above the law. And so just as a basic American, I, I'm glad to see that happen. And I want to see it happen in a fair, reasonable way, just like you'd want with any, uh, any American throughout history. Okay. Politically speaking, I don't think this is going to change the calculus of any Republican member of Congress, of any Republican really out there voting who is a Trump supporter already. Look, if two impeachments and one uh, credible allegation conviction on sexual harassment doesn't change your mind, 37 indictments under the Espionage Act doesn't change your mind about this man. One potential, you know, trying to overthrow a free and fair election. January 6th, the involvement in that, the cheering the guys on in January 6th, where, where they breached the Capitol for the first time since the War of 1812. You know, uh, if that doesn't change your mind, another indictment ain't, ain't going to change your mind. Mm. Donald Trump has to be defeated politically in the ballot box. That's the only way that these Republican members of Congress and his supporters and the people that are backing him are going to to quit on him. That's the only way, nothing else. Hmm. And that's just Amy's opinion. That's why it's so important to make sure he doesn't win. Amy, you're a very um, independent-minded Democrat. You, you ran as a Democrat in deep red Kentucky. You said to me once that if Jesus Christ ran as a Democrat, he probably wouldn't win in Kentucky. We're going to talk in a second about the senator from Alabama and and what and and what that those attacks coming from him are doing to our military and our and our women in uniform in particular. But you can, as a voice of reason in the Democratic Party, as a rare voice on national security in a place like MSNBC. Can, can you talk about what it feels like in Kentucky where, you know, Trump's getting indicted. You've got Tommy Tuberville who gets support in Alabama for what is a pretty radical agenda. If you were going to advise not just the Democratic Party, but independents and anybody politically about what will resonate in Kentucky, can you take us inside there from your viewpoint, please? Well, I think what always resonates with voters is to say that our military should never be used as a political pawn. I don't care what side of the aisle you're at. And the fact of the matter is, and this isn't just because I'm a Democrat, right? My husband's a Republican. But the, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's really only the Republican Party 
and members of the Republican Party right now using the military as a political pawn. I mean, you and I, Paul, we might have a, a an informed disagreement about the Pentagon uh, abortion policy. We we might we might have a disagreement about that policy. Okay, whether you should be able to uh, pay a service woman to go get her health care elsewhere because she can't get it in Alabama or not. That that's fine. Let's have that debate. But you shouldn't hold up 400 plus generals, admirals uh, in, in high level, important positions, hurting themselves, hurting their families, hurting their unit, and ultimately hurting our national security because you don't get your way. That's the problem I have. And I think everyday voters do get that. And if it's explained in, in that way. Can you talk about there's a there's a divide now that's deepening between southern states and the north, right? And urban areas and rural areas, white and black. There's a lot of divisions that feel like we're going backward in many ways. And and Tuberville, who I've called Senator Redneck, is now, you know, the self-appointed and now, I guess, supported by others, leader of this of this movement that, that I've yeah. said feels like he's trying to bring the military back to the Confederacy he, and, and he's supporting white nationalists in his commentary. He's given Southerners a really bad name. He's like yeah. Foghorn Leghorn, right? Like he, he, he is like the stereotypical old racist white guy from the South. Can you talk about what that means for the South? I mean, there's a new South, right? I mean, especially with places like Lexington and Nashville and others that are growing so 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 rapidly and the pol- the politics are changing in places like Georgia. Can you talk about that? Because I think people view him as stereotypically Southern and they might yeah. not view you as the same. Well, I think that you're going to have a, some folks who may rally behind him because they're just, they just want to feel like, Hey, you're, you're attacking a Southerner and I'm a Southerner kind of thing. Um, But I, I do think there's a a growing number of people, particularly young people who, you know, are are tired of this. They don't want to be labeled as, you know, we're in the South and we're, and we're backwards at all. And it's not just from, from Senator Tuberville, you're right to talk about the white nationalism. And that, that's just, it, it's terrible. And it's just so shocking still in America that you would have people rally behind that and, and say, hey, you know, go for it, Senator Tuberville. You know, I mean, that's that's insane. But it's also and this is what gets me more recently. It's not just Senator Tuberville, but, you know, Senator Cotton, uh, Tom Cotton, who who just the other day said that, you know, women in the military were somehow uh, engaging in abortion tourism, you know. I mean, what a slap in the face to every woman who's ever served. It's 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 just this this constant like, wow, we going we really going after women in the military now? That that that's our campaign, you know, that's our lane. We're gonna sh- you know s h i t on women in the military, and apparently the answer is yes. And to me, that's that's kind of shocking. I don't think it's uh, going to be great for them in the long term. Um, but I do think that, uh, unfortunately, Paul, you do get some some people who, you know, they may have already already had a bias, and they they kind of go along with some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's become popularized. You know, you, you've got the Freedom Caucus, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, you've got Matt Gates, you've got Ronnie Jackson, you've got people that are right out of central casting 
from like a Ku Klux Klan recruiting video, right? I mean, it really is. That's how it looks like, especially to, I think, people from the West or from or from the North, people who haven't spent time in the South. Like I've spent a lot of time in Georgia and Alabama and, and all across the South. Um, and, and I think that it's it, it hurts me because I know it's a stereotype and it's a stereotype that the South has been fighting to overcome, but right now they're embracing it and it's fuel injected by Trump. And I want to, I want to take it to the, a specific item that you and I have talked about a lot on MSNBC and in other places, but I want to drill down on it. Th th this abortion fight within the military right now, right? We're, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're Senator Redneck and I'm going to keep calling him that um, basically says, if you are raped, if you're an active duty service member and you are raped by your superior you cannot seek abortion related care that i want to put a point on it if you're a if you if you're a child of a service member who is raped in a criminal act by 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 an assault you know you can't go and get abortion related services that's like how severe this is if it is a fighter pilot a female fighter pilot who is raped and assaulted she cannot go get care You've personalized this in a really brave and powerful way. Can you build on that in a way that I can't because it, it doesn't you know, impact me the same way? Yeah. So it's and it's not just those folks who are or women who are sexually assaulted. And I know that's that's a super important um, piece to talk about. But I want to bring another um, idea behind this. Say you're say you're a woman in the military who does a, a high profile job, and you have you have spent years, literally years, training. You've been gone for a decade. You finally get together with your spouse after being years apart. You've both done multiple combat tours. You finally get together, and now you're co-located, and you're in your what you call B billet. Some people call it shore tour. You know what that is? That's mm -hmm. the the time when you have two or three years where you can be together, and you're not going to deploy guess what? You want to have a kid, you know, you're now you're in your early thirties and you find out, you know, you're pregnant, but you find out that that pregnancy is, is there, there's a real problem. And you, you have this just heartbreaking um, uh, problem where, you know, if you don't terminate the pregnancy, you can't, you, your life may be in risk and you may never be able to have children. And this child that, that you know, you're, you, you have right now that you're pregnant with is never going to survive. And so now what Tommy Tuberville is saying is you don't get a choice. You don't get to travel anywhere else. You're going to put your, your life at risk. We know better than you. You know, what, what a slap in the face to somebody who has deployed who, who wants to have children. This is her only time to do it. And now she's stationed at the Air War College in, in Alabama. And he doesn't want her to give her and her spouse any choice. He wants to be involved in that. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that like, you know, when, when John Kirby, who's at the National Security uh, at the White House talking about this issue says, it's about the dignity of our troops. It's about the dignity. It's about, you know, taking care of women in the military. Who, who, who risked, you know, their lives for us. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is personal. It is very personal to me. I'm really grateful for how you shared that from your viewpoint and on behalf of so many people in uniform who can't speak out right now. Um, it, it is personal. It is moral. It is an insult. And then there's also, you know, the practical national security implications of the fact that that woman would also be off the line for a while. 
right? Like she, she's out of action. She can't perform her duties and she's going to tell her friends, Hey, this is what happens if you join the military. So her friends who are thinking about graduating college and joining the military, and especially if they're leaving a place like California or New York, which I think makes up something like 20% of the women who are recruited into the military, it's going to impact recruiting. It's going to impact retention. It's going to impact readiness. And now it's ginned up this this right wing uh, energy in in the GOP to the point where it's now DeSantis's platform. Like he he yeah. is struggling in the polls, and now he's saying, "I'm going to make this a priority for my entire administration to rip the woke out of the military." That's what he said yesterday in this press conference in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to say, "I was in the military, so I know." Right. As as a Jag, he was a male Jag and he thinks he knows about this. But can you just react to, um, I guess, the the political impact of of that? I mean, obviously, it drives away independents like me in droves. Um, Obviously, it it drives away Democrats. Um, But but what do you think the significance is of, you know, the the second ranked uh, GOP candidate making his platform focused on attacking our military. This used yeah. to be the party of John McCain, of George right. Bush, of Bob Dole. What, what, what's your take on, on that? Well, I think, number one, this is just another example why the Republican Party is no longer the party of national security. It's no longer the party of the military. Uh, you, you name it, you know, they've got 10 different, 10, 100 different reasons why. This is just another one. Uh, you know, this may work well with the base, it's not going to work well in, in a general election, attacking the military, um, attacking the diversity of our military, which frankly is one of the best things about our military. I mean, it literally makes our military so powerful and so effective. I mean, people, people who aren't in the military have to know how awesome that is. You go, I've been all around the world. I have worked with partners and allies and different militaries. There's hardly any military like ours. And you know what? We are gosh darn good at what we do. You know, the funny thing about the, the whole wokeism in the military thing that, that DeSantis and the Republicans talk about, it, it's, it's amazing to me as somebody that watches military uh, current events and that sort of thing, that the moment, like the military was great all the way up until the moment Joe Biden took the office of commander in chief. It was almost like at 12 o'clock that afternoon, all of a sudden the military became woke. Now we have a, now we have a Republican president or, or a democratic president. All of a sudden the military is weak. And as soon as we get a Republican president again, all of a sudden the military turns back as being strong. It's such BS. And the, and the whole point of going after diversity and the people in the Pentagon who I know who are sharp smart people who want to just do what's right and get the best people in our military and work in this, in the diversity and inclusion areas of the Pentagon. Um, you know what that's all about? That's about leadership it's called leadership 101. You and I learned that from, from day one in officer training, you know, it's know your people, get the best out of them that you possibly can know your mission. And, and every study out there, shows that a more diverse uh, unit, boardroom, uh, you name it, force is actually a more effective force. And so we're just doing right. And the last thing I'll say, and then, and then I'll shut up, uh, <laughs> is there is a reason why 
the chief justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, you know, when he struck down affirmative action, they struck it down for affirmative action, except for the military academies. Why? Because they know that diversity matters. It's a matter of national security. <laughs> We've got to have a diverse force because you want that to reflect society and the leadership has to reflect the people that they lead. Mm. It's basic leadership 101. Uh, I, I don't want you to ever shut up. And, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I think you're right on the money. And, and there's also, I'm always going to try to pull out a practical component that, that, that doesn't get pulled out enough. When you have diverse people, they speak more languages. That's useful on the battlefield. When you have women, they can do things that man can't. Like when we were in the Middle East, they can search women for bombs, right? Like in, 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 in some Middle Eastern cultures, they would not let men put their hands on women. So we had lioness units, right? That would go in and search women under their clothes for, 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 for body, for suicide bombs. Like those are the practical applications that a diverse military brings that I don't think are being pulled out enough. So I don't know who Tom and Tubby Tuberville think we're going to fight unless they think we're fighting the North in 1865. But but you have to know the enemy. You have to have a diverse force because it also makes you more effective on the battlefield. Well, let me ask you, and I got to let you go, um, about another diverse issue, sort of, uh, the diversity of our political dialogue. You know this is independent Americans. You and I have partnered on Operation Liberty. We work together mm -hmm. on the board at IBA. We don't have many differences politically, except really for our party affiliations. But now there's this new effort called No Labels. We had Joe Lieberman on last week. Um, I've been skeptical. And it seems like No Labels is more hated by Democrats than anybody since like Andrew Yang or Tulsi Gabbard. I'm trying to think of like who it was that was more <laughs> oh, not hated. Doesn't go right? as low as Tulsi. <laughs> right? But, but, uh, um, but what's your take here? I mean, I, I'm yeah. skeptical for a number of reasons. They don't have any real independence. They're not supporting real independence. Um, you know, they, we don't know who their candidates are going to be. There's the dark money issue. There's a lot of issues here. But I understand, you know, structurally how there could be an advantage. But what's your take as as a Democrat and as a moderate Democrat that yeah. you know, I always hope will become independent? <laughs> well, so a couple of things. One, I, I hope someday our country gets to the point where we have more than two major parties. I mean, I think there's a lot of people like yourself, and I met them on the campaign trail, that just hate both sides. They just hate both parties. They want an alternative. I, I get that. Um, now is not that time. And I say now is not that time because we have the greatest national security threat to our country, and that is Donald Trump and his uh, followers. That, you know, it's it's very clear that they basically want to dismantle, you know, the, the government as we know it and just put in people that, you know, will, will help him get to, you know, an authoritarian state, essentially. And I'm very worried about that. Um, so I don't think now is the time. I also believe that no labels, you know, it presents itself as sort of this middle ground. Well, Joe Biden's pretty darn moderate. I mean, look, look at who Joe Biden ran against. In, in the Democratic primary in 2020, seriously, he was like the most moderate candidate and he won. And guess what? Democrats are for that. They're, they like that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a more moderate myself. But, you know, this business of, of, of Democrats wanting to or going further left, I actually don't buy it. There's never been a, a, a purple district in this country that has been won by a far left candidate. 
on the Democratic side. It's always a more moderate candidate because mm-hmm. that's where the electorate's at. That's what the data shows. So Joe Biden is that middle guy. And so to, to say that we're just going to we're going to put somebody else in there, I don't I don't, I don't see that. I don't see a path. I think that's really smart. And and it's something that I've wanted to pull apart too, because I think they're conflating a lot of things. The democratic brand, right. I think has definitely moved left with the rise of AOC and others. Right. And you could argue that Biden's been pulled to the left, but Biden is by far the, the most moderate, you know, high profile person in the Democratic Party. I think, you know, if, if Biden's off the board, someone like Pete Buttigieg, someone like you, someone like Pat Ryan, you know, can inherit that kind of moderate mantle. But I, but I do think this is an important point you're bringing up. And I think what they're not saying that, that, that really independents have a lot of problems with. I don't, I don't think they have so much of a problem with, with Biden's moderation. I think they're worried he's going to die. I think they're worried he's going to die. And Kamala Harris, who is left of center, more left than Biden, some would argue, I would argue, not that moderate, that she will be the nominee. So I wonder if part of their calculation, because they won't speak out loud about a lot of their calculations, is they're keeping this insurance policy in case something happens to Biden. He gets sick. He dies. He's off the board. And the Democrats in the last minute have no other alternative except Kamala Harris. Or it becomes a feeding frenzy. And it's Bernie Sanders or someone else against Trump. I mean, do you, do you have reactions to that prospect? Well, and also like you I know, mean, yourself, I, yourself as a Democrat, if it's Kamala Harris, it's a very different equation here, right? Well, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I feel like the, the Biden Harris administration has been the Biden Harris administration and, and, you know, Kamala may be different, but you know, it, 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 they're still running on the same platform. And I'm not so, so worried about it. Um, I, I think the, the idea that people want more choice, how many, how many guys are running on the Republican side right now? <laughs> if you want more choice, go pick one of them, you know, but they're, cause they're all crazy, but there you go. And the other problem that I have about no labels is the transparency thing. Mm-hmm. In the age of dark money, you're going to, you're going to sink all of that money all of that money into to this idea. Who is paying for it? Because you're not getting it from grassroots donors. I can tell you that right now. You're getting some, some people that may be, you know, duped by this. Um, but you, but somebody is funding it. And the fact that they won't tell you who that is, I think is very worrisome to me. Mm. I've said this many times before on the show, and I think you represent, I think the 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 truly independent, the most authentically independent people in this country are former military, and and we've had folks on this show like Admiral Mullen, like Admiral Stravides, like Mark Hurtling, a lot of people that have never had a side politically. You know, you're a person that that was politically agnostic for most of your career mm-hmm. until you you know you, you picked a side, and and I think if there was a strong, authentically independent. Uh, organization or movement or even candidate. You know, I mean, if no labels or anyone was running out and saying, hey, we're running Admiral Stravides, right? This would be, or, or McRaven, there are other examples, then it wouldn't just be uh, an academic exercise. It wouldn't be hypothetical. It would be actual. And I think that still remains the real opportunity. And it's one that you also represent. People respond to you because they feel like you put country above party. I wish you were in charge of the Democratic Party in the, in the interest of the country more than anyone else. Um, I'm going to ask you to stick around for a couple of, of questions for our Patreon members. Thank you to them for making this happen. Um, Amy, any, any last thoughts as we go into summer? 
people are a little bit frustrated. Maybe people are exhausted. I know you and I get exhausted doing this kind mm -hmm. of work. Um, you gave the best pep talk ever to my class at Amherst. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have a message for the country when they're feeling tired and, and beat up? Yeah. Uh, number one, I would say do take a break. Don't, don't do this all the time. I mean, I, I take a break too. Um, why? Because we need you long-term to stay engaged. This country needs you. This country needs informed, dedicated patriots to stay engaged. And, and, you know, when it comes time for election season, which is so, so important to our country, um, stay engaged and be a part of it. You know, that's, that's what I'm working on a project that I think is going to matter. You're working on a project that I think is going to matter. Um, find that project and get behind it, whether it's financially or um, with spreading the word on, on social media or whatever, but do not give up on our country. We, we can't afford it. We cannot afford it. So don't check out for too long. Go to the beach for a little bit. Cool. And then come back in, do your part for this country. There you have it, folks. The great and powerful Colonel Amy McGrath. I wish you were running for president. <laughs> I think if if no labels stop talking about Joe Manchin and start talking about you, I think they'd have a totally different reaction. But in the meantime, I'm grateful for your friendship, your leadership, your example. Um, you're somebody that that all of us can look up to and be inspired by, and especially our kids, all the kids out there that 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 are looking for a role model. Um, you know, football players and all that are nice, but but Amy McGrath is the real deal. So thank you for all that. Enjoy the swamp. I'm glad I'm not there. Uh, and until next time, my friend, I'll see you on TV and stay vigilant. Sounds good. Colonel Amy McGrath. There she is, one of my favorites, and I hope one of yours. Check her out more online. She's on all the social media platforms, and be sure to go to amymcgrath.com. You can also look for her on MSNBC with me almost every week and sometimes without me, but she is a powerful, rising, important, inspiring voice, and she's fighting the stupid every single day and inspiring our kids, often when we need it the most. And she is most definitely a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Keep looking for the hashtag, look for the helpers on Twitter and share yours. Look for the helpers. They are out there and share them with me so I can share them with others. Use the hashtag, look for the helpers. And speaking of the helpers, we talked about Highland Falls, New York, and Vermont, and other parts of upstate New York that were so battered by terrible floods. And I have some good news. Help has arrived in the form of our friends at Team Rubicon. Team Rubicon, the disaster relief organization led by veterans, founded by Jake Wood, who's been a guest on this show, they have arrived. They are already on the ground, helping my friends in Highland Falls, West Point, and so many others in need all across New York and Vermont. This is what they do. The bat signal went up, and Team Rubicon answered just as they always do. Check them out. Send them money. Send them time. Send them love. 
They are truly helpers, and they are always stepping up when it's needed most. This week, my boys are at football and gymnastics for camp. They're doing a lot of camps. But last week, they were at basketball. And my sons are in a very, very fantastic program with a very, very inspiring coach. Big shout out to Coach Mackey, who left my boys with a line that I thought was really powerful that I want to share with you. Coach Mackey said, you're either a contributor or you're a freeloader. Be a contributor. I think that's a good lesson in the summer when the heat is up and any time. Lessons for life from basketball. Now, Coach Mackey is the truth, a true leader, a coach, and a role model, changing lives every single day. If you don't know, now you know, but the helpers are out there. People like Team Rubicon, people like Coach Mackey, people like Amy McGrath, and people like you. So check them out and share them and post them on social using the hashtag LookForTheHelpers. And when you're on social, play Guess the Guess with me every Wednesday night. We're on all the social media platforms. When the heat is up, when the heat is down, we are there. And last week, we posted a photo of someone mysterious with Ronald Reagan. That someone, of course, turned out to be Joe Lieberman, the guest on our last show. It was a big episode. I hope you checked it out. If you haven't, please go back and check it out. One of our biggest in a long time. And some of you correctly guessed it, including our friend Robert Clark, who's out in St. Louis. He is a retired soldier, did 30 years from the Cold War to the War on Terror. He's also a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And he said, is it retired Senator Joe Lieberman? The silhouette is kind of a tip, though maybe not a good one if I'm wrong. Well, you are not wrong, sir. You are correct. Also correct. On Instagram, our friend Hula Moon 18 also known as Sharon, correctly guessed Joe Lieberman. And of course, our friend Delfino Sanchez down in Houston, Texas, who runs Aldine Tree Services, Houston Stump Grinding. If the heat is up and your trees are falling, be sure to check him out. He's not a sponsor of this show, but he gets lots of love and might as well be. And he wrote, hey, Paul, any chance it could be the great and powerful Joseph Isidore Lieberman? Yes, of course it was. And he is correct again. He tweeted, last week's pot of extras was great and full of five eyes and a spot on painting comment. Absolutely. And he asked me, what was your favorite MLB All-Star moment? Well, I got to tell you, man, the All-Star game was kind of boring, although the season's been great. I was definitely impressed by Yankee pitcher Garrett Cole, who brought the heat in the first inning, pitching a scoreless inning. And I also really liked that they mic'd up the players. If you didn't watch it on Fox, it was pretty good. They mic'd up players. They even mic'd up the pitchers. So you got to hear the pitchers going through their wind-up and going through their prep. It was some really good stuff. And to my man Delfino, I hope to see your Astros in the playoffs. I hope my Yankees will beat your Astros in the playoffs. But happy summer, my friend, and thanks for all the support. Speaking of support, we got a lot of support for that episode on No Labels and Joe Lieberman. I didn't get a chance to ask Joe Lieberman, but as I mentioned with Amy, I wonder if No Labels real play is to be ready with an alternative if Biden gets sick or dies and Kamala Harris is the nominee versus Trump. It's a level of chaos that most aren't ready for. And I hope Senator Joe Manchin, who appeared this week at a No Labels event, will join me soon so I can ask him. In the meantime, there will be many guesses. And you had many other fun guesses that were not Joe Lieberman last week. Lance Gallardo, who's from Los Angeles, California, a former Marine Corps officer and JAG captain, now an attorney in private practice, had a very interesting guess. He said RFK Jr., as you may know, 
controversial anti-vaccine guy. RFK Jr. has been making the rounds. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast and many others, and he's been spreading a lot of crap, but he's also a man of the moment. Now, should I have him on the pot? Some might say I definitely should and should ask some hard questions. Others might say I shouldn't because I would be platforming him. What do you think? Sound off. Email me at the website or send me a social media post. Let me know. Should we have RFK Jr. on this show? But he was not the correct answer. We got another very interesting incorrect guest from Jack Flack, who says he lives in the 80s. He guessed Larry David. Of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld fame. Now, I wish we had Larry David coming up. We don't, but I want to use this as an opportunity to invite Larry David and anyone who knows him to be a guest on this show. Another incorrect guest, but an interesting one, this time on Instagram, posed by someone called Raised by Thalassines. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But this person guessed Angus Young, then corrected it and said Angus King, but added that Angus Young would be seriously entertaining indeed. I would agree. If you don't know, Angus Young is an Australian musician, best known as the co-founder and lead guitarist and songwriter and only remaining original member of the hard rock band ACDC. I would love to have Angus Young on this show. I'd also like to have Angus King, the independent senator from Maine. They would both be fun. Lots of fun to be had in the days ahead. Keep guessing the guest and check out more at independentamericans.us where you can also support this show by joining our Patreon community. Big shout out to all our Patreon members, especially one of our newest, Eric Nelson. Big thanks to you, Mr. Nelson. Welcome to The Vigilant. As a member of our Patreon crew, you will get to support this show and you will get extra content with Amy McGrath. Every time we do a show, I get extra, almost every time, I get extra content with, with the guests that you can get exclusively if you are a Patreon member. And if you're one of those folks, you will hear Amy's advice on enduring the heat. You will hear her favorite things about Kentucky and her favorite stuff to do in the summer. You can look out for Amy and for me on Deadline White House on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace just about weekly now. I'll be on today, Thursday, and I'll be on probably again next week and in the weeks to come. And if you miss it, you can always find it at independentamericans.us or linked in the notes for this show. I always focus on national security, vets, and political news, and I always post them also on our social media where you can find us everywhere. You can also look for me on Thursdays in the 11 o'clock Eastern hour on News Nation with Marnie Hughes, where today I'll be talking about the American soldier who ran across the DMZ into North Korea and was captured. Definitely interesting story. I will have more on that in the days to come and on social media and on News Nation and MSNBC. And you can hit me up on all the social media platforms Please subscribe, share, and do all the things. Your support helps us bring the heat and bring this show to more and more people for free. Every show is free thanks to your support. Now, we talked about the 80s a little bit. The 80s were a fun time. ACDC that we talked about earlier became an unstoppable force in the 80s with the one-two punch of back and black. And for those about to rock, we salute you. It was also a pretty fun time for baseball, and for one team in particular. Yeah, summer is about having fun, even in the heat. And 
even enjoying the hot nights. And I had a really hot night last weekend. It was over 90 degrees and humid, but I got a very unique opportunity. And I told you earlier about the amazing Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet song that plays at the Mets games. Well, I got to go with my wife, Lori, and my two boys to their first ever Mets game at City Field on Saturday night against the Dodgers. And it was amazing. I was there because the Mets were kind enough to honor me as the veteran of the game. We got to go on the field. We got some amazing seats. We got a parking pass. And it was really a very, very special night. And I just want to send a massive thanks to the Mets for an amazing experience for my family and me and the entire IAVA family. As they do every home game, the Mets help remind folks and keep the awareness up for our veterans and our military. I've partnered with many pro sports teams over the years, and the Mets are truly tops when it comes to saluting and supporting the vets and the military community. Truly a team of class acts. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for my family and the best imaginable first Mets game for my boys. Now, if you've never been, City Field in Queens is amazing for kids. Ryder got a first-ever ball at batting practice, and I got a broken pinky finger, but it was totally worth it. We were in left field. He was right against the gate, and the bombs were coming in. They were freaking flying. Home run after home run was getting knocked into left field, and sure enough, one was coming pretty close to Ryder's head, pretty hard and pretty fast. And I had a moment where I said, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I said, sure, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And I stuck my hand up and tried to catch that ball, and it went right through my hand. But it landed behind me, and a very nice man picked it up and gave the ball to Ryder. I got a broken pinky finger, but he got his first ball. And then he got the ball signed by Mr. Met, and then he got it signed on the field by the legendary Mookie Wilson from the 86 champion Mets, who couldn't have been nicer. By the way, I met Mookie Wilson. River got to run the bases in the kids' field. He got to see Mookie Betts hit a home run from behind home plate. And, of course, he got ice cream and a helmet and cotton candy and all kinds of other stuff, followed by passing out. Now, founding and building IAVA in New York City was one of the best plays I ever made. There's no better place to start something that matters. And it was especially important for me after 9-11 to found a group in New York City. And the Mets often helped along the way. So huge thanks to Jenna at the Mets, to the Bartoks, my favorite Mets fans and City Field tour guides, to all the fans for the really warm embrace, to my fellow vets at the stadium and everywhere, and most of all, to my amazing wife and boys for always having my back through the wild ride. Let's go Mets. As for the game, it was a truly painful one. The Mets blew it at the end, and it was a uniquely Mets loss, a reflection of what has been a really tough season. But there are no better fans than Mets fans. They're so tormented, and still, they always believe. Rooting for the Mets prepares you for the adversities of life, but they're always wonderfully, powerfully, youthfully, uniquely hopeful and uniquely New York. I was a kid in 1986 when they won the World Series, and that run inspired me 
and will ensure that the Mets are a part of my DNA forever. And I'll always root for them, unless they're playing the Yankees, of course. But the Mets have a spirit, a can-do spirit, and so does our independent movement. And when you're a Mets fan, you got to look to the future. Again, this year for sure. But independents are also looking forward to the future. And we're not alone in our independence. America's more divided than ever. We at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change it, adding light to contrast all the summer heat happening all across the country. No matter what team you root for, if you're among the now 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your home team. And if you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard, this is also your team. You can switch. We don't mind. Switch your jerseys. Come on over. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your home team. Whoever you are, all are welcome. And we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. And be a part of a winning team. Because our independent movement is the hope for the future. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat. Even in the summer, busting up the status quo and fueling a hopeful new movement that spans all across America. And always bringing the hope. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Amy McGrath. If you did, please share it far and wide, especially to any Mets fans, but to fans of any team. Invite them to declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of democracy, especially when the heat is the highest. And maybe you feel depleted. Maybe you feel run down. Maybe you feel exhausted. That hope is the oxygen that will bring you forward. So stay vigilant and keep bringing the heat. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant and we're all in this together, especially all you Mets fans. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin, Slava Ukraine. Stay vigilant, America. And let's go Mets! Media.